Trading on the stock market got halted, so we went and got ice cream on this energy edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. I am joined today by the one and only Tyler Crow. How are you today, sir? Doing pretty good. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, what do you think was the cause of the uh, New York Stock Exchange halt yesterday? Um, My money was on hackers. Company retreat. Company retreat. Yep. They went on a corporate company retreat. And all, like, we, we can't be there. All the tech guys for the New York Stock yep. Exchange went camping in New Jersey. Yep. Is that what you're saying? That's my cool. thought. Yeah. Uh, did you get what I did there with the somebody tweeted or I was on CNBC and they recommended actually going to get ice cream while trading was halted? Yeah, why not? As I you mean, should. What else are you going to do? It's just kind of. It'll be, it'll be there when you get back. It will be, unfortunately. Um, so uh, today we're talking about oil, but more specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, energy market hyperbole and the way the dynamic between uh, the media and what's actually going on. Yeah, I mean, so whenever you watch financial media, it's it's all it's already kind of, you know, dusted up with some nice English to make it's, things sound. It's all the problems of the twenty four hour news cycle with a report on right. cats and rivers right. and stuff, but with a financially spin. But with a, a nice financially spin, in in especially in energy as of late, it's been quite funny almost at to the level of hyperbolic change. That can, or you know, the the change in hyperbole that can happen in Overnight. a day, in less Overnight. than twenty four hours. I, I remember reading a, an article um, from one of the major news outlets a couple days ago uh, that had said that with Iran's oil coming online sometime soon, and this already glut of oil that we have today, that oh man, oil is just going to keep on going down. And they were talking about how futures contracts two years out are, you know, at the lowest they've ever seen. And it's how is anybody going to make any money when this happens? And then this morning, that exact same news outlet puts one out and says, oh, maybe this is a little overblown. You know, Perhaps demand's picking demand's up. Picking demand's up. picking and up. By oh. the time Iran, you know, brings their stuff on, we're going to be in short supply because people are underspending now. It's just it. It's boggles the mind. I couldn't imagine if somebody who was that idea of the day trader person wh- how you could keep up with that and and keep a certain no level way. keep a certain There's level no of sanity actually. My favorite you know what you're talking about my favorite example of that was um this past winter when they're talking about oil going to $20. Yeah. 20 that was the world would have to be ending. There was also it got to thirty eight bucks during the recession. It was briefly there, like for a day. Yeah, and then everybody went, "Well, wait, we can't." Wait, do this. wait, wait, wait. No. And, and Grant, and let's also talk about how that was. You know, a few years before when we were all talking, when the CEO of Gazprom, one of the most prominent, uh, you know, Russian natural gas companies, but a re, you know has an in in the industry, said that oil during 2006 2007 could easily go to $250 a barrel. It just it, there is so much hyperbole in this mar- in energy market. It's it's quite ridiculous. And for anybody who's an individual investor, you just can't keep up with it in any way. Uh, you, you, you know, you could Try to reshape, rebuild your thesis every day around what you're seeing in the media, but it's impossible. Build a thesis that can withstand a long-term time horizon and stick with it. There's no other way for you to do it. 
I was actually thinking that yesterday with uh, if you were buying oil shares right now because you're being courageous and all that stuff. And uh, you know, there's that Warren Buffett quote, which is um, "Don't buy anything unless you're okay with the stock market closing for ten years." And he cited how during World War One it actually closed for like three months or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, actually, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And <laughs> the market shut for three hours yesterday, and everybody freaked out. So. I got ice cream out of it. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, so uh, before we move on, I did want to actually make our listeners aware of a uh, special offer for all industry-focused listeners. Um, if you found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor might be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter, started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We were offering the lowest price out there, which is $129 for a full two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two, count them two, stock recommendations every single month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of that deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And uh, now we are moving on to what I really wanted to talk about today, which is an article at – are we allowed to say Bloomberg? Whatever. You just did, so I mean, Fine. I guess we can. I kind of – that's kind of like anyway, – Bloomberg, the organization, didn't put this out. It was you know, citing some analyst or whatever. Anyway, gentleman came on and uh, put out a thesis of why you should be shorting oil companies, the big ones, the international – Exxon's, the BPs, and uh, it wasn't because of the fact that oil's down 50% from last year. It was for another reason. What can you tell me about this? So the underlying thesis that he was looking at here was the fact that finding new sources of oil for these very, very large integrated major companies is becoming very, very expensive. Because these are hundreds of billions of dollars CapEx exactly. like organizations. Yeah. We're like, talking, you know, ExxonMobil, thirty. I think it's somewhere in the thirty to thirty-five billion dollars a year in capital expenditures, and they are going out and exploring in places where finding and developing that oil is much more expensive than in other places. Say, the wasn't Middle it East, uh, just say, Shell that got the okay to go to the Arctic? Shell. Just, they have to go to the Arctic yep, to find oil. They're spending one billion dollars this year alone. In exploring the Arctic, what amount of money would you be willing to go to the Arctic for to find oil? A billion dollars. That's about right. right. Okay, sounds good good for me. (laughs) Um, And so his theory was is that because there are less expensive forms of oil out there, sources from OPEC, sources from uh, shale is actually even becoming less expensive. Is that because these, of efficiencies? Because obviously. of efficiencies yeah. and things like that. But basically, what he was saying was that because these things are taking hold, it, the underlying thesis was that you know the marginal cost barrels that these guys are paying, you know, somewhere in the seventy seventy to ninety five dollar a barrel range right now, is unattainable over the long term, and that these companies are going to bleed money. Um, I have a hole. I, I I immediately thought of a hole in that. Um, T. Boone Pickens in the '80s when he was talking about in his first book, he was talking about how it was cheaper to what was it drill for a barrel of oil on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange than it was to actually go out and find the oil. He's of course referring to the um, companies he was doing LBOs and getting green mail basically to not take over. But um, fancy man using uh, yeah. acronyms LBO. That's a leveraged buy. Oh, I'm sorry to there. the layman. Leveraged to the layman. I, for a second, I even had to think about this that guy. One. Ugh. Anyway, um, his point was that you know you don't have if you're an oil company you don't have to find oil on the ground you can just go buy another oil company if it actually if that scenario actually played out 
what's to stop ExxonMobil of instead of spending $35 billion a year on CapEx to find oil to just buy EOG and all these other guys or something? There isn't. I mean, if you look at the, if they're the, the financial yeah. distress that younger companies that don't have the protection of you know, a very, very strong credit rating. They don't have the protection of having refineries and midstream operations that can kind of cover times when oil prices are lower to kind of keep the cash flow right. going and things like that. There's nothing stopping them from doing that. They'll just go on an acquisition whatsoever. spree to yeah. replace their reserves. And like, so, you know, you came up with one point, and I, I had a few when I read it. Um, the a couple of them, it, it, it seemed to me like there was very nitpicking. Um, a couple examples, especially on the demand side, very, very only looking at like very mature markets, United States, Europe, things like that, and you know how they're the driver of demand over the next, you know, God knows how long. Uh, but that's not necessarily a case. Um, but the the thing that really stuck out to me more than anything else was the fact that. So much of the focus was merely on the production of oil and how these high marginal cost barrels uh, that places like ExxonMobil and Shell are going to drill in the Arctic and Russia, places like that, how that's going to kill them. However, if you look at the at these companies in general, uh, oil production specifically is not as big a component of their revenue, their earnings, as some people may expect. I mean, we call them big oil companies. Right. But the most oil-centric big oil company today is Chevron. It's little more than 60%. Which is not high. little more than 60% yeah. of their production comes from oil, whereas the other four that we kind of talk about, the big five, the usual suspects when we talk about big oil, ExxonMobil, Chevron, BP, Shell, and Total. Uh, aside from Chevron, the other four, their production mix of oil and natural gas is a, right in that 50% range, you know, somewhere between 55 and 45. So to say – to merely look at oil and say, you know, this is the problem that they're going to have forever isn't – I don't know. It seems a little disingenuous because you've got natural gas. They have natural gas. They've got refineries. They have all these other options to generate cash flow. And perhaps it's not as robust as it was back in 2005 when the price of a barrel of oil was $120 and, you know, costs for services were a little bit lower than they are today. But to, to completely shut out the idea that these companies who have been around for hundreds or not hundreds, a hundred years. And that are have gone through price spikes like this and even worse that you know we're seeing the end of them and that they should be shorted and that they are going to be unprofitable long term. I just don't see it. These these guys are pretty smart. They'll it just find, seems like they have a lot of levers they can pull. There's a lot of different things that they can do to make it work. And I just yeah. Perhaps they're not the strongest performer when you compare them to the S&P 500, but they've right. never been that way. Nor um, have you know has stock appreciation been a major component for them. If you look at somebody like an ExxonMobil, their biggest shareholder value is the fact that they have a stable growing dividend that's been going on for more than 25 years and they buy back copious amounts of stock <sighs> to boost shareholder returns. That's the value proposition that we, you get with somebody like ExxonMobil. It's not to ride the wave 
of you know growing Get rich production tomorrow and all like that no. good stuff. Yeah, this is a this is a twenty year time horizon stock. You're, you're not going to get rich buying Exxon Mobil today and selling it a year from now. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you for your thoughts, Tyler. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Want to go get some ice cream again? It sounds like a good idea. Awesome. Uh, and if you are a lawyer listener of Industry Focus, we would love to hear from you with any questions or comments you might have. Just hit us up at focus at fool.com. Again, the email is focus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Tyler Crow, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!